Welcome to the Dildorf's Dorky Discourse on Sex, Dating, and Masturbating. My name is Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist, a sex blogger, and I have been in trance many a time. Who are you, friend? I am Bex. I am a sex educator and a porn maker, and I know shockingly little about hypnosis, given how much time you spend doing it. So I thought it would be fun to spend another hour kind of chatting about and focusing on it a little bit here. Yeah, it's one of those things that I feel like even some people who do it a lot don't know as much about it as you might with a a kink that's sort of more concrete, like Mm. rope. Um, Because a lot of the inner workings of it are mysterious even to science as far as I understand so that's pretty neat so is it the kind of thing that you can kind of like develop a rapport and a way of doing it with your partner without necessarily examining like why and how it works in a way that you can't with rope yeah I think so and like the first time that I ever was put into trance I did not really know anything about it I had not read I don't think I had read instructional materials about how to do it or how to go under. Um, Yeah, I think that there's something to be said, certainly, for, like, learning the basics, especially around ethics and safety stuff. But uh, Mm -hmm. you can have your own style that, you know, diverts from the way that it's taught by conventional practitioners. So I definitely want to come back to talking about um, kind of where you started with hypnosis, because I'm really curious about like your growth in it over the last couple of years. Um, Mm -hmm. But to get us started, give me like, just in broad strokes, a picture of some of the ways you play with hypnosis in your kink life, like these days, just how does it pop up? And what does it look like for y'all? Yeah, sure. So hypnosis is my spouse's main fetish, and Mm. um, it's something that we use in a lot of different ways. Um, I would say some of the ways that we're using it the most often lately are like objectification, dollification type stuff. Like when I am just Mm -hmm. feeling so overwhelmed, particularly by work or by the news or whatever, that I just want to be in a mental space where I'm not thinking about stuff while I'm mm-hmm. fucking. Dolls um, don't gotta vote, right? How Dolls would they don't have even to worry about the their re- reproductive autonomy, right? Exactly. Um, and I also like that from the perspective of like being submissive and being very bottomy, and I like that because uh, like I'm a person who generally like if I'm enjoying sex particularly kinky sex I will kind of like close my eyes and like maybe seem to be sort of floating away mm-hmm. and I've had partners in the past who felt kind of weird about that like they were like it made them feel disconnected from me which is understandable but as a result of that I really like having a very clear excuse I guess for for being that way where like I don't have to feel guilty about it because I know mm-hmm. that it's like actually the intended result and like since my partner does fetish fetishize like trance as well as like sleepiness and stuff like that intoxication and whatnot I don't feel like I have to like explain or apologize for like sort of <laughs> drifting in and out mentally um and certainly like we've negotiated in in ways that like make me feel safe doing that which is also important as far as some other things that we do, like hypno bondage is very fun. Um, there's a lot of things that we do via hypno, 
over mm-hmm. the phone as part of phone sex that would be pretty hard to do long distance without that tool um mm-hmm. like helping me feel like they're actually physically there in the room with me or feel like I'm actually tied down or feel like I'm being slapped uh even if I'm not slapping myself um it's yeah, I think it's a particularly magical kink for people in a long distance relationship to have because of the abilities that it has in in that realm. Yeah, it sounds particularly well suited for that, and we've definitely talked about like the ways you use that for that uh, over the sh- on the show. We'll talk about mm-hmm. it more here today too, I'm sure. Um, mm-hmm. But can you talk a little bit about um, how that like how does that stuff compare to what you were doing when you first started out with this? and like first started exploring hypnosis with your partner was it were you, did you play with this stylification stuff early on was there other stuff you were doing back then I think that when we started we were doing much more like structured scenes like we would be like okay we're going to do a hypnosis scene and like here's what we're going to do and like that's mm-hmm. that's good like to negotiate stuff like that really clearly especially when you're starting out or you don't know each other as well but I think now like now that I have so much practice being in trance I will much more easily just like go into it when certain things happen that sort of trigger it whether or not my partner mm-hmm. was like actually trying to do that like certain tones of voice can do it or Sometimes if I'm intoxicated, that can kind of make me more susceptible to it. Um, And then there are times when I just kind of seem to randomly fall into it. Um, And this is a phenomenon that like folks in the hypnokink community talk about um, with regards to when you're an experienced hypnobottom, it can be easier to go into trance even without like a super structured induction or process to bring you into trance because like once you know what it feels like it's kind of easier to go there um Mm -hmm. sometimes even by yourself like I've had times where I was like trying to get to sleep and couldn't so I would like kind of put myself into trance either by like imagining my partner was doing it or just sort of like Mm -hmm. trying to remember what that feels like and then it sort of naturally comes over me so like the scenes that we're doing with hypno like sometimes we do still agree in advance like we're gonna do a hypno scene but Um, a lot of times it just kind of like happens naturally as a result of something else that we're doing. And then my partner just sort of like works that into what we're already doing. So it sounds like it's become a lot more just infused into your relationship and just how you relate to each other and Mm -hmm. sex and kink in general, um, which makes a lot of sense. Is this like, I feel like I'm like, vaguely adjacent to the hypno kink community but i follow some hypno kinksters on twitter (laughs) and like that kind of narrative of like slipping into trance particularly easily now or sometimes when you weren't even planning to sounds like a thing that like would quite appeal to people and is particularly hot is that like Mm -hmm. something that you were excited to work towards when you first started exploring hypnosis? Is this like a fetishy goal achieved or is it just like a, huh, that's an interesting thing that I've noticed happened, you know? (laughs) Yeah. um, I don't really think that I had that many like goals or ambitions about hypnosis when I first started doing it because like I didn't really have as much of a sense as my partner did about like what can you actually do and like what would be fun to do and how can it combine Mm. with like other different kinks that I have. Um, but I think that it plays really nicely with my submission because 
it's really hot to me to have a partner who can control me like very decisively and like sometimes very quickly and suddenly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's definitely doable through hypno. There are other ways that partners can and have done that for me, like calling me certain names and certain tones of voices can certainly like make me feel very submissive very quickly. But I think mm-hmm. um, there's something about trance that feels very intense and overwhelming in certain mm-hmm. situations where um, I feel like I'm submissive in like a, a real life way rather than like a kind of role playing way where it's like, oh, you really do have like some measure of control over my brain right now which would be pretty scary in the wrong hands, but it's just like really exhilarating when I know that I'm safe and being taken good care of by someone who loves me. That makes a lot of sense. And that actually segues pretty well into, so as I mentioned at the top, I don't know a ton about like specifics of hypno. However, we asked the Discord for questions and we have some knowledgeable hypno folks in there. Um, Mm -hmm. So I have hypno story to thank for... uh, several of these questions, um, being a much more knowledgeable or at least (laughs) much more hypno versed in hypno than I am. Mm -hmm. That wasn't a sentence, but we're going to run with it. Y'all know (laughs) what I was trying to say. It's been a long fucking week, y'all. Yeah. (laughs) Um, one of the things hypno pointed out though, uh, was they were asking if you feel like your favorite activities were shaped by the things that your brain took particularly well to because it seems like there are Mm -hmm. some styles of hypno that appeal to some brains more than others and how much of that influenced what you like if that makes sense and what you're doing now yeah that's a good question um in reading about how hypnosis works for kinky people like i have seen it does seem that certain types of people or types of brains will respond differently to different types of suggestions. And it's sort of like how you can have a different learning style from somebody else. Mm. Um, Like Mm -hmm. maybe some people respond better to suggestions involving visuals or those involving like more tactile stuff. Um, And what I've found is that if my partner tries to plant a suggestion that is like a little bit outside of what my brain is currently sort of capable of conjuring, that mm-hmm. that can present a roadblock because then I kind of get into a spiral mentally sometimes of like, why isn't it working? Why am I not feeling what I'm quote unquote supposed to be mm-hmm. feeling? So mm-hmm. I think we've gotten to a good place with it where like they have a general sense of like what types of suggestions I tend to take well to. And I know that some people, for example, like really like to do hypno orgasms and that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. that to me has like never really felt within reach. Um, like I'm not a person who orgasms easily in general, so that might be part of it. But um, I can feel like I'm being touched and I can certainly feel pleasure without being touched through hypnosis. But like it never really feels like it builds to a place where orgasm is like even within reach. So mm. um, those types of suggestions are not as like compelling to me because they don't like do as much for me as something more like um, you're going to feel giggly or you're going to feel submissive or um, you're going to feel your body getting heavier or your wrists being tied down. And I imagine that that's like probably one of the fun things about trying hypno stuff with a new partner is like figuring out, you know, what things you are able to do together that work particularly well for your brains. 
No, it makes a lot of sense. And it segues well into my next question, because you talked about how you have become like a particularly skilled um, subject at this point. I don't even know the right mm-hmm. vocabulary. Jesus Christ, I'm bad at this. Yeah, um, that's, that's a word that people use. You can use that's that a word. word. <laughs> Great, good. Look at we go. <laughs> Knowing all the jargon and shit. Um, but you've become quite experienced as a hypnobottom at this point. Um, and, uh, I was curious how much of that you attribute to like learned skills versus like tapping into your own susceptibility. And it sounds like some of it is a process of learning where your own susceptibility is. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Um, If anyone is interested in like subject skills, uh, the podcast Two Hip Chicks, Two HYP Chicks is really good and has a lot of interesting info on both hypnotist skills and subject skills. But um, yeah, I think that one of the most important things I learned in terms of subject skills is not to have the are we there yet mentality that I think a lot of people have when they first start trying this stuff and people have it about other things as well like subspace like people will get in their heads about like am I am I in subspace like I want to be but am I yet mm-hmm. and the really important thing to remember is that hypnosis doesn't feel the same for everybody it might feel different in your body and brain than you're expecting it to and it might even feel different from session to session or with person to person um, and if you are constantly asking yourself mentally, am I in trance? Am I not? Am I a failure if I'm not? Like that kind of thing. You're just going to trip yourself up and you're not going to be mm-hmm. able to go as deep as you would like to. So mm-hmm. what I try to do instead is like notice the signs that I am in trance. And like I don't have to put a label on that and be like, that means I'm definitely in trance. Um, but I can notice like, yeah, my body's feeling heavier or my eyelids are feeling heavier or, um, I feel a little bit lightheaded or whatever it may be and kind of look for those signs in myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that the more that you do that, uh, it's almost like tricking yourself into being deeper in trance, but like, it's not really tricking because like, that's just kind of how it works. Like it is a mental process and you have to like figure out your own strategies for navigating it in a way that works for you. But yeah, I think a lot of people go into it expecting that like the skills of the top are like the only thing that matters in terms of will you be able to go Mm. into trance or won't you? And as we know from kink in general, like that's not really the main thing or the, or the most important thing always. And, uh, a top can be incredibly skilled and experienced and totally know what they're doing and still not be able to put certain people into trance depending on like, is that person willing to go into trance or like, do they have experience or do they have the skills or are they distracted or stressed that day? That kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So yeah, I've, I found it very interesting to learn about subject skills. And, and my main tip there is, as I said, like, don't have expectations for how it's going to feel, but like notice how it is feeling, like actively notice that stuff. Which frankly is great advice for bottoming in general and humaning in general. Uh, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Um, so you, you compared the experience of like checking in with yourself of am I in, 
am I in trance yet or not as like similar to the subspacey feeling. Um, and one of the mm-hmm. questions of one of the folks in the discord, they asked what's, what is the difference between following commands while under the influence of hypnosis versus uh, following commands on while you're subspacey, right? Does it feel the same or is it as distinct experience? This is a really interesting question because we can talk about this in a lot of different ways. Like, what is the difference neurologically? What is it ethically? What is it in Mm -hmm. terms of how it actually feels? So, I mean, ethically, I do want to make the point, like, a lot of times people people will say either that hypnosis is mind control and you will be forced to do whatever the hypnotist tells you to do, which is not true, or that... Uh, you can't ever be forced to do something that you don't really want to do under hypnosis, which is also not really true because mm-hmm. hypnosis is, I think, from what I understand, very neurologically similar to subspace. There is a lot in common between the two states. And as we know from subspace, sometimes, or even from being very drunk or something like that, sometimes someone mm-hmm. might ask you to do something and as a function of either Uh, how you feel about them or the situation you're in or just your frame of mind, you might very well, very well say yes to doing something that you don't actually want to do. Like it just, it Mm -hmm. does happen. Um, I think it's disingenuous when people say that, that it can't happen. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think hypnosis in in general is a kink that I'd caution people to do like with folks who they really, really trust. Like, and, you know, that's a good rule for kink in general. But I do think that there are some kinks that like lend themselves better to um, pick up play with people you maybe don't know super well. Mm -hmm. Um, But in terms of how it actually feels, I think that when I'm given an instruction in trance, my response to it usually feels much more automatic. Like it feels like it Mm -hmm. sort of bypasses my brain to a certain extent where, especially if I'm being asked to move my body in a particular way, I will kind of do it before I even realize that I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. And that feels really cool. Um, But they do have a lot of similarities. Like I do notice there's like a slow down quality of thinking that comes with both of them. Uh-huh. And there can be like a, a simplification of my thoughts, like kind of, again, like when you're drunk. Um, yeah. And there's a similar feeling of like floatiness or spaciness or a little bit of maybe even dizziness or lightheadedness. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would be really interested to know, like, if folks ever do research about how those two states compare, because I think that there is a lot of overlap neurologically there. Yeah. I'm also curious how much, like, you talk about how you slip in and out of trance fairly easily as a part of your general kink life now. How do you, like, what is, how do you distinguish between when you are in trance and when you are in subspace, when you were playing with your partner? Like, what does that look like to you? Hmm. Yeah, I think that uh, in trance, pretty much always my eyes will close like pretty immediately. Mm-hmm. So that's something I can notice. And then also for me, there's like a sensation of actually like falling or sinking or floating downward. Like it is actually a pretty pronounced noticeable sensation that is different from subspace especially when it happens very suddenly Mm. um like yesterday my partner and I were watching tv together and they were doing a thing that they do sometimes where they were like punching the bottom of my foot um Mm. 
It sounds violent. It's nice. It's, no, it's it just I, feels I, more I was like a literally, <laughs> literally sitting here going, "Oh, that sounds lovely." No, let her talk. Let her keep going. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and sometimes like the rhythmic action of something like that will just like sort of unexpectedly drop me into trance. And like I did feel that physical dropping sensation inside me and my eyes fell closed and my body kind of like went slack. And um, I had thoughts going on in my head of like, I should open my eyes because we're like watching a show that I want to see. And like, <laughs> but the and, and if I had wanted to open my eyes, if I had really, really wanted to, I would have been able to. Mm-hmm. But it was like if someone harder. had kicked in the door, right. you could have opened your eyes and been like, who the fuck's in my apartment? Yeah. But the TV show la- lacked sufficient motivation in the time. Right. I don't know if I ever told this story on the show, but one time at my old apartment when I had a roommate who I did not get along with, um, mm. she would have um, a lot of gentlemen callers come over, which I say not to sl- slut shame at all, but just to say that they did not know the geography of our apartment very well because they were only ever there typically once. So mm. at one point I was doing a trance scene with my partner over the phone and my door in this apartment did not have a lock on it. Oh no. Yeah. And I was like fully in trance lying in my underwear on my bed and this man, I guess, like went out to use the bathroom and then tried to go back to my roommate's room, but forgot which room it was. So he just like oh. opened my door and like started walking into my room and then saw me and was like, oh, sorry, and then backed right up. And um, so then when that happened, I did have that yeah. kick of adrenaline, like you're saying, and I was awakened out of trance enough to manage the situation. Like I think I went over and like dragged a chair in front of the door so that it wouldn't <laughs> happen again. Right, and so that you could trust it wouldn't happen again. Right. That was like one of the last straws at that apartment, though. I was like, oh, God. Mm, I, can't, I can't live with that. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, that's reasonable. Um, I do want to come back to what you were talking about when you were talking about like this experience of depth or like literally falling into trance. Um, mm-hmm. Because another thing Hypnostory was curious about was your experience of depth and like how significant it feels. So it sounds like it's quite significant, but like as you are deepening your trance or falling more into it, does that feeling of like falling deeper continue? Or Hypno describes their experiences of depth as more like a metaphor for explaining, I suppose, intensity, not to put words Mm -hmm. in their mouth, but yeah. 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 I've seen a lot of discussions about depth in hypno king communities in recent years, because like it is, used that type of language is used very often in like induction as well as like hypno porn and there is even what what they call deepeners which is like once you've induced a light trance sort of at the beginning of the session you can do a deepener to bring the person further down into trance which might involve counting down from 10 or from 100 or having them count down or visualizing a dial or visualizing going down in an elevator or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and typically you would like pick these images or these ways of thinking about it based on like what tends to work best for that person's brain. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that Sleeping Girl, who is one of the hosts of the two Hip Chicks podcast, has talked about how the idea of like depth of hypnosis is like kind of fake because it's like not – I don't want to really put words in their mouth, but um, – mm-hmm. It's not really as linear as it may seem, and um, it's really more just like a way of thinking about hypnosis that can mm. kind of help you experience it more profoundly. Um, mm. 
I do notice that when I'm particularly deep that like my body will feel heavier, my eyes will feel heavier, I won't feel as able to open them. Uh, my kind of peripheral thoughts will have faded to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will be more suggestible, like more able to fulfill or feel those suggestions that are being given to me. Whereas if I'm in a lighter trance, I don't have as much of that heavy body feeling. I might still be having thoughts whispering in my head about like, uh, did you leave the oven on? Or like, uh, what do I have to do for work tomorrow? Like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I won't be as naturally like suggestible to the suggestions. So I don't know. I, I'm not an expert on it, but I do find that in terms of the parts of the sensations of hypnosis that I find exciting and interesting, like that feeling of dropping down suddenly, which is a very submissive feeling and that kind of thing, like talking about it in terms of depth does help me access those types of feelings more easily. Mm-hmm. It's just like a really vivid image to imagine falling down deeper or being pushed down deeper or taking an elevator down deeper. And it's almost like I'm going deeper inside myself, like mm-hmm. inside my own body and brain. That makes a lot of sense. And like, I'm going to speak as someone who is considerably less of an expert on hypnosis than <laughs> you. So, <laughs> but um, it seems to me that metaphor is an important tool in how our brains grasp things and in how we create these sort of imagery and feelings in -hmm. our body. So like, I'm curious how hard the line between it being metaphor and a real thing we're experiencing, right? Right. Metaphor is how we describe the feelings our brains are experiencing often. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's true. Yeah. Uh, that's re- I think that's really fascinating, though. Mm-hmm. Um, another question that someone had in the Discord brings us back a little bit to what we were talking about, about how, like, when you had that sudden shot of adrenaline of someone walking into your room, it, mm-hmm. it snapped you out of trance. So there are you aren't going to... It can't totally override things in your brain. Um, mm-hmm. But they were curious how far you can kind of push a hypnobottom's perceptions of reality. So if you're wanting to like play around in there and make someone want to experience a thing, how much can you play with that? You can do a lot, especially with people who are very experienced or very suggestible. And like, I've definitely seen some wild stuff at the hypno kink meetings that I've gone to Mm -hmm. meetings. Is that the right? I don't know. (laughs) Gatherings. (laughs) That makes it sound so business-like. Um, and people are doing perverted shit. Uh, but yeah, I think that, um, I mean, it's basically, you can do basically whatever you can imagine and whatever the, the bottom is able to imagine in their body and brain. But mm. there's a lot of barriers that you come up against uh, in terms of like your own skepticism or your sort of like self-doubt about whether something will even be able to work. Um And I also know that it seems to me that there are some people who just like have a harder time going deeply into trance or going into trance at all. And I don't really know like the specifics of why that is, but um, I've never really been able to get to a place of a hypnocene feeling so immersive that I did literally think that what we were pretending was happening was actually happening in terms of like, Mm. um, 
I'm being examined by a doctor in a medical play scene or like I really am riding down in an elevator or something like that. Like I've never really mm-hmm. like thought literally that those things were true, but there can be enough of a suggestion in your head that it feels about as true as like a, a particularly vivid role play scene or something like that where like you're in the moment of it. Um, it feels real in the moment, even though you know in the back of your head that it's not. Um, mm. But that's me. I think that there are people all over the spectrum in that way. I think it's also important to like acknowledge that you want to believe it. Like there yeah. may be that little itch that you could poke at and pull it apart and realize, yeah, no, it's obviously not happening. I'm obviously still sitting in my bed at home or something. Mm-hmm. But you you don't want to scratch that itch. You don't want to poke at that little thing and like figure it out. You're inclined to want to believe the things so your brain does because our brains are yeah i was gonna call it a cooperative little meat sack but it's really not (laughs) in In some ways it can be yeah Yeah, it tries (laughs) it tries you know it is always trying sometimes it fails horribly but it Mm -hmm. is often trying to be helpful (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah i think that believing in what's possible and wanting those things to be possible plays a really big role in how much hypnosis will work for you, mm-hmm. which is why hypnotists do what's called pre-talk. Uh, not always, but it's a fairly common thing where you're just kind of talking about talking with confidence about how good you are at hypnotizing people or how well you're going to hypnotize this person or how easy it's going to be. And Mm -hmm. I find that side of it really interesting because it sort of reminds me of, uh, this is a bad comparison, but like pickup artists or con Mm -hmm. men, um, will you, or con artists will use like certain turns of phrase to psychologically manipulate people, which obviously when done non-consensually is not cool. But Mm. within hypnosis, you can use that kind of thing to affect how somebody experiences things. Like uh, in the book Mind Play by Mark Wiseman, which is uh, the best introduction I've found to like the very basics of erotic hypnosis. one of the things he talks about is rather than saying like, if we can put you into trance, here's what we'll do. You would instead Mm. say like, okay, so once you're in trance for me or like when I put you in trance, let's talk about what we'll do. And Mm. just little things like that can really affect how somebody perceives what they're able to do and then what they actually are able to do. That makes a lot of sense. Um, And it's just, I don't know feels true to my experience as a human with a brain in the world and in the ways mm-hmm. I try and talk to myself and people around me. Um, yep. Not in the manipulative way, in the kind version of that, but y'all know what I mean. Um, yeah. <laughs> you talk about really being really fascinated by that, and that makes a lot of sense, um, which actually brings me to you've been talking, uh, you've mentioned in the past that you do more hypnotopping these days than obviously you did early on. Mm-hmm. Um, what has it been like to like develop those skills and move to that side of the slash? Yeah. Um, I think that more than almost any other kink that I have switched for, that hypno was one where I picked up a lot of topping skills from being bottomed, like just from mm-hmm. observing what tops were doing and in particular what my partner was doing um, because like you can read about it all you want, but uh, 
having a real life example and like actually experiencing what that feels like really teaches you a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was definitely like a more intuitive process than I thought it would be. Like I was really worried about being bad at it. Like what if I forget a step that's really important or what if Mm -hmm. I don't use exactly the right words? Uh, But maybe because my partner is such an experienced hypnobottom, like it has never really been that difficult and um, feels very intimate in a way because it relies on your knowledge of another person's brain to know Mm -hmm. like what's going to work for them. And we like to use it in various different situations. One that comes up a lot is like turning pain into pleasure like I think mm. I mentioned recently about like tweezing my partner and like <laughs> how mm-hmm. it's much easier if I can use trans to make that pain feel like pleasure. Um, and then also like sometimes they just like to be very focused and trancy while they're like going down at me or like while I'm sitting on their face or stuff mm. like that. Yeah. Like it can just be a pleasant sensation on top of whatever else you're doing. Yeah. Um, and... I also have liked sometimes to combine it with toys, Mm. um, especially in a long distance way where like if I'm controlling the love ends stroker, for example, um, from 500 miles away using my phone, then I can simultaneously like trance them to imagine that it's like me riding them or my mouth or whatever. Mm. And Mm -hmm. that makes it much more real and vivid. And it's interesting to hear like, the differences in like their noises and responses based on like kind of what they believe that thing to be. That makes a lot of sense. I'm really curious um, if you can talk a little bit about, you mentioned being a little nervous about like being bad at it at first. And I'm curious what kind of, I guess, responses you've learned to look for to like reassure yourself that you're doing a good job when you're topping. What, feedback do you get from your bottom yeah there's a lot of things you can do sometimes people like to do the thing where they lift up one arm and let it drop which is like Mm. not a not a surefire signal but if someone is still uh not in trance sometimes they will like their arm will take a little longer to drop back down whereas like if they're actually in trance it might function more kind of like dead weight like it just falls back down immediately Mm -hmm. um Another thing is you can ask the bottom straight up like to rate how deep they feel like they are, um, mm. whether that be on a one to 10 scale or you have them picture a dial that goes from one to 10 or whatever, or picture mm. that they're on a staircase or whatever and ask them like, where are you on that? And that'll mm. give you an idea. Um, you can also look for stuff like slurring their speech or like being very slow to answer questions. Um, eyelids fluttering sometimes is a good sign. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that it's really person dependent and it's the kind of thing that you get to know as you do more of this with somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, but because I am a nervous top, like I do tend to default to more sort of like clear verbal ways of checking for it if I'm not sure. Um, I get that. Yeah. And Usually my partner's able to answer me. It just, you know, it might take a little bit longer <laughs> than it would if they were awake. Right. Right. Um, 
you talked about one of the things that you do with them is uh, trading one sensation for another or making things feel particularly pleasurable. And you also talked about you bottom to that as well. Um, Mm -hmm. A feeling of like to make like long distance play easier. Can you talk a little bit about like, I don't know, the distinctions between like sensation created by hypnosis versus actual tactile sensation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've heard hypnokinksters give sort of like mixed opinions on this. Like I have heard some people say that when they have a, like a hypno orgasm, for example, that it is a literal orgasm with like actual muscle clenching and all of the stuff that you would expect. And then I have also heard people say it's not really the same as a physical orgasm. Like it might feel that way mentally and it still is very pleasurable, but like it doesn't necessarily have the exact same hallmarks as like a physical Mm -hmm. orgasm. Um, I am definitely aware when sensations are being suggested to me in trance that, uh, that they're not quote unquote real. And like, I do Mm -hmm. have to put some mental effort into sort of conjuring those usually. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, it's not something that just sort of, magically happens um but the thing that's weird about it is like i am have like i am deliberately making myself feel those feelings by i don't even know how to talk about this this is really hard to describe it's sort of like you know that scene in inception where Uh uh, where leo dicaprio (laughs) is talking to elliot page and is describing how dreaming is like simultaneously the act of like creation and like observation or something like that like you're Mm -hmm. you're like discovering and seeing things at the same time that you're creating them Mm -hmm. and that's how trance feels to me sometimes where like the act of noticing a sensation or like looking for a sensation that I've been told to feel will sometimes like create the sensation I think we've Mm -hmm. all like experienced some examples of this whether it be like if you're out walking um like hiking and you've been told that there is like snakes around, then maybe if you feel this example is in uh, Lee Coward's book, Hurts So Good. Maybe if mm. you feel like a brush of a twig against your leg, that it'll feel like uh, like a painful snake bite because you're on mm-hmm. guard for that. You're like assuming that certain sensations are going to be that. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, I think if I'm like primed to notice and look for particular sensations that they can seem to be happening to me much more easily. This is really hard to explain, though. <laughs> I don't know if that made any sense. No, that does. I I have certainly experienced things. I particularly experience this with uh, auditory stuff, and, like, probably more when I'm high. But, like, where I can... Im- if a song is stuck in my head or if I am imagining a song hard enough it is hard to tell if I am hearing it three rooms away or if I'm imagining it. Mm-hmm. And, like, I can imagine this, like, sensation of touch being somewhere on that spectrum where it's, like, either I'm imagining this absurdly hard or I'm feeling this fairly faintly. I'm not quite sure, yeah. but I'm just going to let my brain lean into the one that fi- feels better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I do uh, believe in fairies. I do, I do. <laughs> so this is the Sex and Kink show. However, we are real good at not talking about them. Um, <laughs> and 
I am curious if there are things kind of outside of the spectrum of what we would typically think of as sex and kink um, that you use hypnosis for. Yeah, I think relaxation is a big one for me, like not only when falling asleep, like I said, but in certain situations Mm -hmm. where maybe I'm super anxious and don't want to be like, I can kind of drop into a trance like state for a minute or two and kind of calm myself down that way. Mm -hmm. Um, My partner is very hesitant to do anything with hypnosis that would perhaps be better done by a trained hypnotherapist. Uh, Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. we have done like just for like ethical reasons and, you know, kink is therapeutic, but not therapy and all of that. But we have done a few things like they have a, a trigger for me where like if they put their hand on my upper chest, um, it helps me feel like more relaxed and calm and safe Mm. and taken care of. And Mm. that's something that we use a lot, like both when we're physically together and when we're not, because like I can put my hand there too and feel some of that sensation. Mm -hmm. And um, we've also like experimented a little bit with using it for like reduction of my chronic pain, but I sort of have mixed Mm. results with that because we were finding Mm. that like when my partner would try to turn up my sensitivity, that it would like turn up the like all my sensitivity, like I would notice mm. all my body sensations more and like I don't right. really want to be feeling the pain more. No, thank so you. yeah, so they've experimented with like having me picture dials and maybe like we turn down the pain dial and turn up the pleasure dial mm. and stuff like that can be really useful. It doesn't always work as well as it as I would hope. And I think that that's mainly because I I'm sometimes distracted enough by the pain that it is actually hard to focus and go into trance. But right. uh, when it works, it's great. Love it. Yeah. that make, I've said that makes a lot of sense after everyone, but I'm going to say it again anyway. Um, <laughs> that whole makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I want to wrap up with one last question because earlier on you mentioned how when you first got into this, Um, I mean, you said this before, you learned about this because it is one of your spouse's main kinks. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are, it appeals to a lot of things you enjoy about kink. Um, But now that you've been doing it for a minute, you understand obviously a lot more of the things that it can do. I'm curious if there's anything you're like really interested in exploring that you haven't gotten a chance to dabble in yet or somewhere that you would like to like grow to or something you'd learn, want to learn to do or. Hmm. Yeah, I think that it has a lot of potential for different role plays and that we've like Mm. just scratched the surface on that. There's just like so many different role play related things that you could do with it. Um, I'm interested in how it could be used to amp up my confidence, Mm. uh, whether sexually or in general, so that I could embody a different kind of character because in my real life, I am not a very confident person. You've got me imagining a scene in which you are, like, hypnotized into being particularly dominant and confident. Right. Which is a fun, like, switchy little thing. Because obviously I think people, you would typically imagine the hypnotized person to be the bottom. Anyway, I love flipping that stuff around. I derail to you. Go on. Yeah, me too. Subby tops, dominant bottoms. Oh, chef's kiss. So good. Yeah. Um, let me think if there's Masochistic Littles is my favorite flavor <laughs> of that. Just mm. throwing that yeah. out into the world. Ugh. Yeah. Okay. Wait, do you mean Sadistic Littles? Yes, Sadistic Littles. Okay, I'm, yeah. It's fine. 
I'm I can be both depending on the day. <laughs> yeah, frankly, agreed. Uh what else? What else? Um we had talked about uh playing with my maybe sexual interest in velvet, which is like Ooh. a while ago I started thinking, do I have a, like a little bit of a velvet kink because I just like kept buying all these velvet clothes and then I like wrote an erotica story for an anthology that was about velvet kink and mm-hmm. We've talked about what if um, I was hypnotized to feel like velvet was like the sexiest material mm. and then I have to like wear a velvet thing out or mm. um, what if oh, I don't even know if this is related to hypno, but we also had an idea on our list that was like I should give Matt a hand job with a velvet with a velvet piece of fabric. Mm. I was like, hmm, intriguing. Um, yeah, because the fascinating thing about velvet is it is such a unique texture that you yeah. encounter, like, so sporadically and in such unique situations. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, could do some interesting yeah. stuff with that. Yeah, I think that Hypno has a very interesting power to imbue certain things with sexiness or a sexual charge that don't necessarily mm-hmm. have that on their own. So, and that's what particularly, that's what I find particularly fascinating about it. Like, I, I mention this every time we talk about it, but it is a rabbit hole I will fall down at some point because I really am fascinated by many of the tools of like <sighs> creating altered states and different ways of experiencing our bodies and brains. And, HypnoKink has a lot of tools for how to do that and a lot of information on like and a lot of people thinking a lot of clever thoughts about the ethics of that which is a huge other thing to parse through um so like it is a rabbit hole that I find fascinating and I just I frankly I don't know that I would have been drawn to it had you not started doing it because the mm-hmm. like for lack of, like I, my brain's giving me the trappings of, but the um, iconic stuff of hypnosis, the mm-hmm. story of hypnosis, the, the tropes, yeah, yeah, exactly. The ideas of brainwashing, the spirals, the all of those things are not things that I'm like inherently into, um, mm-hmm. or even the narratives of like getting in there and getting like really fast ultimate control. Like I enjoy the power struggle of someone trying as hard as they can and just barely losing Mm -hmm. right um so like i have not i don't know that i would have seen all of the things that hypno can do and all of the many ways folks are playing with it had i not Mm -hmm. talked to people who do hypno um and obviously you and several other folks i've gotten to know and like i don't know it's fascinating it's a rabbit hole i'm gonna fall down one day for sure (laughs) yeah i think that it can combine really well with a lot of other stuff like one of the Mm -hmm. hosts of the two hip chicks podcast cc has said that uh one of the reasons that she got into it even though like it wasn't necessarily her own kink originally was that she just fetishizes being controlled Mm -hmm. and this is a very you know, interesting and unique way to play with that idea. Mm-hmm. And so I think that a lot of people come at it from a lot of different places. And like, I agree. I don't think I ever would have gotten into it if I hadn't met my spouse. Um, 
because I just wasn't aware of like all the possibilities. And like you, I thought that I had to like fetishize the thing itself to fetishize mm-hmm. incorporating it into anything. And that just like wasn't the case at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, and frankly, that tracks with my experience of so many kinks. Give me an hour yeah. talking to someone who's into it and I'll find a way to want to do it. <laughs> I am yeah. a creative motherfucker. I'll figure it out. Right. <laughs> An imaginative pervert. I will find a way. Anyway, wrap us up. Take this, this shit's off the rails. Be the professional. Life always <laughs> finds a way. Yeah. Uh, thank you for joining us for this episode of the Dildorks. Also, thank you for the great questions. This was fun. Yeah. Um, I want to say, wait, what do I say here? Um, I've been Kate Sloan. You can find my sex blog at girlyjuice.net. You can find links to all my various other stuff, including my music and my newsletter uh, at katesloan.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at girly underscore juice. And I have two books out, which you can find wherever you get your books. One of them has a hypnosis section in it. It's called 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do. The other one is called 200 Words to Help You Talk About Sexuality and Gender. There's no hypno stuff in there, but it's it's subtextual. <laughs> Where's your stuff, friend? I'm Bex. You can find all my writing and information about my workshops at BexTalkSex.com. You can buy tickets to my weekly workshops. I teach every Wednesday at 7.30 Eastern on Zoom. Tickets are available there and on Eventbrite if you just search Bex Caputo over there. Uh, I'm also real naked on the internet as Billy Lore. So if you go to at Billy Lore on Twitter or BillyLore.com, you will find all the places you can go to pay me. Promise real good at telling you how to do that. Uh, together we are the Dildorks. We got the Dildorks on Twitter and Instagram and at thedildorks.com. But more importantly, go to patreon.com slash thedildorks because that's where you can throw a couple of bucks our way to get access to our exclusive Discord. That's $6 a month and our Patreon-only bonus episodes for $12 a month. Plus, you know, you buy me food and I appreciate that. <laughs> I do too. Thank you so much to our top tier Patreon supporters who we thank every week on this show. Thank you to Suki, Nat, Tiffany, Stabitha Christie, MB, Amelia, and Argo. We really appreciate the support. Thank you also to Protodome, who did our theme song. Thank you to Amy, who did our logo. And thank you to you for listening. Until next time, folks, get out there and live your sexy, dorky life. Um, they asked what they at that but I'm just <laughs> the words are on a page. I'm just I should just be reading them. It's not even hard. It's fine, um, babe. I'm I'm also really scattered today. Like, don't even worry about it. Thank you. Um, yeah, that makes sense. At, and that actually segues well into another question I had, um, which is uh, that uh, brain is not doing segues today. Jesus Christ. Um, I am sorry for every single time we're going to have to edit this. Fuck. That's um, okay. It's my, it's my job. It's true. Thank you.